Take Eyes Live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I am Sebastian Salazar. Great to be with you, Herc, as we kick off yet another week of madness. What you wearing there? Uh, this is my Ninja Turtles-inspired U.S. Men's National Team gear. How about yourself? What you got going All right. Uh, shout out to the uh, American Outlaws of Ooh. D.C. This was their Pride jersey from, I think, last year, a couple years All ago. All right. They always do some uh, Those new cool MLS kit. ones are uh, pretty fly, too. I know, I know. We need a dripping or tripping soon. No time for a dripping or tripping in this show today, Herc, because we do have a full rundown. We got the Liga Mekki semifinal set, so we'll break that down. Of course, no controversy involved there uh, at all. Never. We got a big Ever. weekend for not just American coaches, Herc, but CONCACAF uh, coaches abroad, so we'll fill you in on that. We got Christian Pulisic playing in a big game, the FA Cup final uh, against Liverpool, and we have a superstar performance in the National Women's Soccer League. But let's start this show Finally, Herc, without injury news, uh, thank goodness, it is instead news of a commitment. Let's call it that. It's like when I was working in local small market news, and I would go to the, the, the high school football players, commitment to his university. Marcelo Flores, the 18-year-old Arsenal Academy player, who of course we know was also eligible to play for Canada and England, said in a Twitter post on Monday, quote, I will represent Mexico wholeheartedly for the rest of my life. Herc. What do you make of the timing of this announcement from young Marcelo Flores? Yeah, before I get to the timing, let me just say how extremely pleased I was that it was just so well done. Um, oftentimes, um, what doesn't take the time to really get into how a dual national can feel, the complexity of identity, uh, and love and respect for said countries. And I thought he was very eloquent and put it out uh, very well. It's a blueprint for any dual national looking how to make these type of announcements. Now, the timing itself, Seb, Mm-hmm. It kind of, I shouldn't say surprising, but it was it was one of these things that we put into context what we saw the last time we saw him in the full national team kit versus Guatemala, that camp. And the comments that I feel were taken out of context when he had a Tudene interview in his second language, Spanish, and it came across as him saying, I just want to play a World Cup, and the door is very much still open with Canada. Well, Tata Martino didn't take kindly that, neither mm-hmm. did a lot of press and a lot of fans. So much so that he questioned the commitment of Marcelo Flores, and he said, we want players who want to be committed to the program, to the cause. Well, here you go. This is Marcelo Flores saying now, Tata, the ball is in your court. This is where I want to be. This is my team, and I want to go to the World Cup. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting timing for me. One, because I think there's an element of risk here, right? If you're Marcelo Flores or the people advising him, you are taking options off the table, and, and in one of those, at least, like a pretty good option to me. I think he's got, you could argue, in the short term, a better shot to make Canada's team for the next World Cup than Mexico's team. So from that perspective, there's a risk. I don't know if it's a mistake, but there's a risk. But I'll tell you, Herc, there's two reasons why I really, really like this. To your point about what he wrote in the message, I think generally um, it's a player taking hold of the narrative and around them. And too often in these situations, we've seen players get caught up in the press. Mostly maybe it's the Mexican press, but the U.S. press as well sometimes when it's a dual national between those two countries. It's difficult for these kids. I think here he's very clearly saying, um, I'm going to take charge here of who and how they're going to talk about me. The other thing here is this is a bet on himself, right? He's not looking at the criteria here is not like, oh, what's the easiest ticket to the World Cup or, or what's what's the depth chart where I fit in? It is what do I identify as? Where do I want to play? And for that, I got to give this kid um, all sorts of credit. Herc. We're looking at the list here of, of recent dual nationals that have that have chosen Mexico. Jonathan Gomez there, obviously not maybe official um, yet. On this list, I think when you talk about a guy like Marcelo Flores, you think, okay, he's Arsenal, so is he the guy with the highest ceiling? 
Uh, I won't ask you that, but thinking ahead to 2022, I don't think he's actually the most likely to make the team off that list. I think that's Julian Araujo for a, a couple reasons. One, position, and two, physicality. There's a physicality to Araujo that I think allows him to easily, more easily, fit in with Mexico at the international level. I don't know if Flores is there yet, and maybe that's why we haven't seen him with Arsenal either. So he plies his trade in England, and you're questioning his physicality. I, I think he's Not actually yet. got the highest Not ceiling. Not yet. Not yet. Well, I'd argue the U23 is probably as physical, if not more, than some of the CONCACAF venues you're going to see around here. Uh, what I will say is I don't know about Julian Araujo being the safe bet out of that. Uh, listen, you see the minutes there. Mm -hmm. Not too many of those are official minutes. I think Marcelo Flores actually has the best bet of being a player that sticks around for the long term. You don't have that luxury if you're the Mexican national team of players who ply their trade at the highest of levels. Regardless if it's only U23 right now, he is in a very accelerated course heading to that first team, and it still is Arsenal. I know they're going to miss out on Champions League probably most definitely again this year, but it's still a very <laughs> big club, and I can hear the producer in my ear right now. But it's still a very it's a an massive Arsenal club. Fan. It's an Arsenal <laughs> fan. But it's a massive club, and we have to put things in a context. This is a very good player that's making a decision that I feel he identifies with and he thinks suits him and his family, not only in the immediate, but in the future. Well, Marcelo Flores then the latest to take this decision, but there's some big names coming, especially with Nations League, uh, Lumen Herc. I wrote down Cade Cal and Jonathan Gomez. Those could be two who have to face yeah. this very similar decision uh, very soon. Let's run it back Mexican style across Europe. We'll start with... Uh, this is from the He's on Fire category. Edson Alvarez, a goal in his third straight game for Ajax. Herky came in the 87th minute of a 2-2 draw against Vitesse. I mean, that's three in a row. Uh, a lot of them headers. He's very good in the air. It's got a lot of people talking. Most people expect him to be gone. Where's he going? Is he going to Milan? Outside Ooh. chance of United? What's going on there? Five goals and one assist in 31 league appearances for Ajax this season. Also in Holland, Eric Gutierrez debuting La Gutinha? Is that, is, are we doing the Cuauhtemiña spinoff here? That is brilliant, and I love it. <laughs> Listen, I played professional indoor soccer, indoor football, and that is an indoor move. That is something okay. they teach you. I love that. This man is pulling them all out. Uh, say, say goodbye. Hector Herrera saying goodbye to Wanda Metropolitano, his last home game with Atleti before the move to Houston, Herc. Fitting that he didn't start, he did come off the bench. He didn't start, came off the bench. He's a very loved player. Any locker room he's in, he's, he's one of the, the glue guys. He's one of the all-around good guys. And listen, man, you get a send-off in a club like Atletico, that, that tells you something. And Houston got a good one, so let's see. Whatever you want to say about the move, he does have a La Liga title to his name. In Italy, Johan Vasquez is Genoa relegated after losing the Chucky Lozano's Napoli 3-0. So he didn't play this week, didn't play last week, only played 45 minutes the game before. His clause is activated. The purchase has to be activated by the amount of minutes he's played. They're going down to Serie B. It's got to be a sale. It's got to be a transfer. Where's it going to be? Yeah, get him out of general. They had like six coaches uh, this season. France, Jonathan David, the Canadian with a brace for Lille. Hurt the 22-year-old with his first goals in league play since March 6th. March 6th, man. And then that's a goal scorer's goal. Just kind of puts it out there. And how about this one in the box? Again, get up. Get up. Find yourself, be active, and the ball will find you. Jonathan David, man, what's going on with nines in CONCACAF? But he finds the back of the net again. All right, so 15 goals in 37 league appearances. 31 league starts for Jonathan David. 17 goals in 46 games across all competitions. 
Leal still has a uh, game left in the season, but they are 10th in the table, so not really going anywhere. His contract expires in 2025, but everybody already talking about a move. Is it time for David to leave Leal? And if so, Herc, where are you sending him? It's time. It's time, and he's going to leave. Uh, it'll be a very big transfer as well. And where mm -hmm. am I sending him? Well, we could send him to a number of places because it's Jonathan David. Uh, he's young enough, and he's in the world stage. He's making a name for himself. But where really would he go? I've been thinking about this a lot. He can go to a league like the Bundesliga. It's a very technical league. There are a few teams out there in the Premier League that are vying for his services. West Ham is one of them. Arsenal is another. Uh, I'm sorry to my Arsenal friends. The David Camps have been reports. He's only looking for Champions League football, so oh. that's on the outs right now. But I've been thinking about this. A player of his attributes. A player that I know he's grown. He's gone cold the last few months. I know that. But he's still such breakaway speed. So good on the ball. A nose for a goal. Uh, very good in transition and he's disciplined many people are not going to like what I'm going to say especially a lot of my Canadian amigos but I would love to see him at Atletico let me tell you why I know people are going to say Cholo system get out of here listen John Herman has deployed the same type of system the same low block in transition before in certain games and he's gotten away with it because players like Jonathan David are so good in it in a system like that where you could be disciplined where you can break out in transition where you have players like Correa like Joe Felix around you could be in that mix when you have smart players when you could be a disciplined player there with that transition speed that you have and that finishing ability he could be a star in La Liga he could be a star in one of the biggest teams in the world mm. say what you want about the style of play about El Cholo say what you want about how sometimes their forwards uh, don't look the best but with Suarez leaving I think this does open up and it obviously be a domino effect uh, will be uh, inclined by what happens in the market Darwin Nunez uh, Pablo Dybala those type of players where they go can influence Jonathan David but I think this is a win-win Okay, uh, reported transfer fee right around 50 million euros that's what Leo's going to be asking for so yeah there should be quite a few coming in with offers for that. Herc, I want to get a sense of where you think he fits level-wise. You mentioned a couple teams in the Bundesliga. The, the two big boys right now will definitely need nines. Uh, let's just go quick answers. Is he at the level for a Bayern Munich? No. Is he at the level for a Borussia Dortmund? That's a tough one. Maybe. Okay. But I think it depends on who's on the market, who's available. Okay, you mentioned West Ham in the Premier League. What about a Chelsea in the Premier League? Is he at that level? No, and, and they wouldn't go for him. I mean, Lukaku's there. How do they get rid of Lukaku? And the next guy they bring in is just going to be another huge name as well. You, you really don't like the Premier League form, or you don't just don't like Chelsea? I don't like Chelsea. I don't think he's going to find himself on a United. I don't think Arsenal's in the plans, at least from what his camp has been reported saying. He, doesn't, he only wants Champions League football. They, they're on the outs, unfortunately, unless Spurs can sometime, somehow bottle it up. So I think that'll be very difficult. And if you're not in one of those mid-table higher teams. Do you really want to see him in a low mid-table team? Mm, good shout. Good shout. All right, so enough on Jonathan David and his potential future at Chelsea. What about the here and now and Christian Pulisic, who started and played Herc 105 minutes over the weekend as Chelsea fell in penalties to Liverpool in the FA Cup final on Saturday. It was his third straight start. It was his third start in seven days. Unfortunately, Herc, uh, it came with no trophies, though it did come with quite a few chances. 
Yeah, quite a few chances. Let me just start off by saying I was pleasantly surprised that he played so much. Mm. 105 minutes for Christian Pulisic under Thomas Tuchel is not something to, to laugh at. Uh, and I thought he was easily Chelsea's most dangerous player. If we want to talk about creating opportunities, being good on the ball, playing with real purpose, uh, that was Christian Pulisic. I thought he was by far the most dangerous Chelsea player. And I'm also very surprised this game ended in zeros. Uh, it went to penalties. Christian Pulisic could have had a say in it. A bit unfortunate not to put one maybe more away. But I thought it was overall a very good performance from Christian Pulisic. Looks like Chelsea then will end the season with uh, no trophies. You're right. It, surprising it ended 0-0. Felt a lot like the, the League Cup final and a, a similar outcome there as well. Here's the headline from The Telegraph. Christian Pulisic was Chelsea's biggest threat. They agree with you there. But there's always a but. But he lacked killer instinct. Herc, there you see a tweet from Matt Law who wrote the article saying Christian Pulisic's dad should steer clear of Twitter uh, this weekend. How did you rate? Pulisic's performance. Let in me the just FA Cup say final. the very brave Matt Law turning off the comments. <laughs> Way to go! Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's your it's your hack piece, if you will. It, it's trying to draw the the ire of the of the American fan base. I'm sure there are a lot of Chelsea uh, fans that would disagree with that assessment. So, I you, thought he was so fine. you thought he played well, or what? What do you think? Yeah, I thought he, given Chelsea's overall play, I thought he was their best player. So yeah, what about I, I would the lack of a killer? What about well. the lack of killer instinct? What about that knock? Is it fair or unfair? Oh, it's it's certainly a factor. I don't want to say lack of killer instinct. He gets himself into some very good positions. It wasn't Timo Werner-esque, if you will. Uh, I think some of that could be attributed to him not being sharp. In front of goal, those are repetitions. Uh, and how many times have we said he's found himself on the outs with uh, Thomas Tuchel? If you're sharp, if you're in that moment, you put those away. That said, I mean, could anybody argue with me? Could you argue with me that he wasn't Chelsea's most dangerous player? No, I, I won't argue that he that he was not Chelsea. He was definitely Chelsea's most dangerous player. But you always talk about him as big game Pulisic. I don't know that he, right. that he necessarily lived up to that. Yeah, you know year, what? Right? You know what? The funny thing here is he, he's playing on a team with Romelu Lukaku. Mm -hmm. He's playing on a team with Timo Werner. He's played, Kai Havertz obviously wasn't there. Uh, Ziyech. He's playing on a team with Mason Mount, who by the way has lost more FA Cups than. I don't know. I mean, is that five now? And, and, and yet, and yet, we're going to single out the American here. We're going to single out Christian Pulisic because it gets clicks, because it gets views, because I know it'll get attention, and that is what my paper, my digital magazine, my hey, Twitter handle. So just handle to be clear, wants. just to be clear, but beyond Matt Law here, do you think generally the British press is is unfairly harsh on Pulisic? Uh, absolutely. Do you not? Do you do you think they treat him the same way they treat everybody else? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Well, what I'm saying, and I understand, and I understand because he's a polemic figure, and not only, yeah. not only um, on that side of the pond, here as well. Uh, you put up anything Christian Pulisic, and you're going to draw ire from uh, Mexican fans, from Canadian fans, even some American fans. He's that type of polemic figure, uh, but there's a reason for it. This man is insanely good right now for this region. Now let's be let's be realistic, okay? We're not going to compare him with the with the best players in the world. Before this region, he's one of the better players in this region, so he attracts a lot of attention. And across the pond, when you speak about him, they know they could get the clicks and the attention of said region. Mm. Can I can I add to the uh, overseas conspiracy theorists and what they might use for Go their ahead. conspiracy theories? Yeah, I love that. It's not only his third straight start since father's tweets, right? It's third straight start since American Takeover was announced Whoa. in terms of ownership. Whoa. 
Next level tinfoil hat. All right. All right, let's uh, run it back. USMNT edition, lots to get to. What are there, like 20 of these today? Uh, let's start with this guy who's always here, dude. Haji Wright, not just a goal, an assist as Antalya Sporbeat. Kasim Pasa, four to two. This is strange, Seb. I'm getting deja vu. Deja vu. Listen, like we're not just running the same clip every we're week, not, right? We're not, okay. but we need to see this kid in a U.S. Men's National Team kit, like ASAP. Uh, ASAP. It's a, uh, it's to scratch the itch, right? It's to see if there's something there because there's a need at nine, and this needs to happen. It just does. His second assist of the season. His 14th goal of the season. The scoring streak now seven. Jesus Ferreira, he had a brace as FC Dallas beat the Galaxy 3-1 on Saturday. He now leads MLS with nine goals. Okay, so we're talking about the U.S. Men's National Team needing a nine. They need a nine. And here's a guy who's not a nine. He's a ten, but plays as a nine. And he's leading the league full of nines. He's got nine goals. Uh, the number nine keeps following this kid. Yes. I don't, do you think he's a nine? <laughs> I don't know, I think you just said nine about nine times there, so I'm inclined to say yes. Let's get I this mean, kid starting up top. I don't know what else to say. I, this is deja vu as well. Yep, yep, hard to imagine that he won't be the nine if he uh, keeps scoring like this, because they always said he had everything else in his game. Or a big move, I'll tell you that much. That's right, that's right. By the time the World Cup comes, he may not be with uh, FC Dallas. Also with FC Dallas, Paul Ariola. he's got his third goal of the season in the same game, win over the Galaxy. Yeah, good goal, better celebration, F cancer, I agree. Uh, Paul Ariola, you're telling me, was not the problem at DC United. No, Paul is never the problem anywhere he's gone. Let's be honest, man. What, 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 is there a more honest player in MLS? Probably not. Uh, Tim Weah, goal and assist for Lille in their 3-1 victory over Nice. Hasn't been the best campaign for Tim Weah. This is his first goal you of the think? season, Herc. It's wild to me that Timothy Weah has played in 28 games, 16 of those starts, and this is his first goal. That is wild to me. First goal. Not his first assist, though. Racked up his uh, fourth assist of the season huh, for Lille. I thought he had one more, but all right, we'll give him. That's good. Well, I mean, you know, here on Football Americas, what assist is, is it's kind of, it's nebulous, it's vague. <laughs> Richie Ledesma, nothing vague about this. The Mexican-American with his first goal for PSV. There you go. Uh, a report earlier saying he's ready to commit to the Mexican national team, looking for mm. that passport. Then another report saying, no, fallacies, nothing there. I don't know what's going on. All I know is that kid scored a banger. Absolutely. Luca De La Torre got an assist over the weekend. That was the good news, the bad news. Heracles, his team, is in the relegation playoff in Holland. Yeah, they've not been down since like 2005, or they've been up since 2005, so that'll be interesting. As well, I am surprised. 34 goal a game, excuse me, played. Over 2,800 minutes, only one goal, one assist. That is weird to me. John Brooks playing his uh, last game with Wolfsburg on Saturday. He started in a 2-2 draw against Bayern Munich. Yeah, people, when it's all said and done, will remember John Brooks for being one of the better American defenders in Europe. And it's history. I mean, think about this. He was, at one point, the highest transfer for U.S. men's national team player. Five years ago, over 250 Bundesliga appearances, and he's only 29 years old. But I mentioned he's got a World Cup goal. Yeah, didn't go the uh, full nine. He came off in stoppage time, nevertheless. Great run there from Brooks at Wolfsburg. Seattle, 3-1 winners over Minnesota on Sunday. The star, none other than Christian Roldan, who had a goal and an assist. That's not really a surprise. Christian Roldan always seems to play well for Seattle. What was a surprise, Brian Schmetzer's post-game comments about Roldan and his role on the national team. 
causes penalties because his movement is aggressive inside the penalty box. You know, he attacks a prime assist zone well. You know, he just puts himself in harm's way at times. Uh, you know, so that's just part of who he is. Um, and today was another, you know, good performance that I hope other people, uh, not just the fans and us, are, I hope people are paying attention. Well, my earlier comment about making sure that people were watching was specific to a group of people. Um, <laughs> in case you guys didn't catch that. Um, I think Christian is very valuable in his tactical acumen, his physical contributions, and, you know, the guy's a winner. Again, we, we might play a little different than Greg. I mean, we try and attack the prime assist zone uh, maybe a little bit more often. So... You know, again, he's been a great player for us, and you know, wherever his final outcome is with the national team, I keep my fingers crossed. Ooh, Herc, should Christian Roldan have a bigger role with the U.S. or are you? And I can't believe I'm even going to suggest this: telling Brian Schmetzer to get lost. I can't tell Brian Schmetzer to get lost, I, I, but is it a little bit of both here? Uh, is Christian Roldan being underutilized the U.S. men's national team? Sure, probably. Will he play over anybody in that midfield? A Weston McKinney, a Tyler Adams, a Eunice Musa, a Gianni Reyna if he comes into the midfield? Probably not. Uh, does he play a different position with the Seattle Sounders? Yeah, probably plays uh, a lot more positions with mm -hmm. the Seattle Sounders, uh, predominantly as a winger. Uh, will he play with or over any of the wingers who are on the U.S. men's national team right now? Probably not. Uh, one of the players that's getting a lot of attention right now in Major League Soccer is uh, Jordi Mihailovic. Jordi Mihailovic, between Conca Champions and what is Major League Soccer play in 15 games, he's got, let's see, seven goals and four assists. Christian Roldan, who's a little older, uh, kind of similar, has in 16 games, three goals, 10 assists. So there has maybe, and by the way, age factors here, but there is a certain sector of the U.S. men's national team fan base that sees Major League Soccer, sees Christian Roldan, and it's over with. And I think what he's doing, and then Brian Schmetzer here, is defending mm -hmm. his player. And I love that. I love that. But it's very difficult to compare the roles or even the players in the U.S. men's national team circle. But I love the fact that he's defending Christian Roldan. And yes, can Christian Roldan probably have a bigger role with the U.S. men's national team? Sure. How much of a bigger role? I don't think we're on the same page there. Okay, uh, let me ask you this, because you mentioned Mihailovic. Roldan or Mihailovic, who would, who would you take right now? Yeah. Because um, you, you hype up Jordi Mihailovic all the time. He was your bold prediction for this year, right? Yeah, in Major League Soccer, my MVP, and he's proven me right so far. Um, wow. Do I get 23 or 26 players to take the World Cup? Because I think that's very important. <laughs> if I only have 23, I'd probably take Roldan because he could play multiple positions. I have 26. I take probably Jordi Mihailovic. Okay, to that point, right? Like Mihailovic, we don't even really consider him now to be in the picture. Look at all these other names. I know, I know McKenny's hurt. McKenny, Musa, Delatore, Acosta. That's not mentioning guys like either Leggett, who's kind of in a similar category, or Gio Reyna, who's a guy who you could... I know we think of him sometimes as a winger. Playing more a, even a Brendan Aronson could play there. I mean, there, there's yeah. so many guys there. I, I, you, love, you love the fact, as you say, that a coach is standing up for his player, but, but who you pulling? Yeah. I think that's the thing. Like, like, who is he ahead of? If you're telling me he's not even ahead of Mihailovic, who's not even really in the picture yet. Yeah, yeah. And listen, Sebastian Legette, he could be finding himself on the outs. Uh, 
Jassy Zardes could be on the outs. There, there are plenty of guys who have been front runners with Greg Berhalter who could find themselves not in the World Cup picture. All right. Uh, we'll leave it there for now on Christian Roldan. We won't leave it there for now on the U.S. men's national team. No, they're playing Morocco on Wednesday, June 1st. Game you can watch on ESPN2. Our coverage starts at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Do not miss it. Pasión, determinación y constancia es lo que te hace campeón y mantiene tu actitud de ride or die, baby. eBay Motors tiene lo que necesitas para darle mantenimiento a tu vehículo y para llegar hasta el rendimiento máximo. Desde sobrealimentadores, sistemas de sonido, tubos de escape, luces LED y más. Si buscas velocidad, potencia o estilo, lo encontrarás todo en eBay Motors. Con más de 122 millones de piezas, siempre encontrarás justo lo que buscas. Y con Guaranteed Fit de eBay, tienes la garantía de que tu pieza quede perfectamente a la primera o se te devuelve tu dinero. Porque con eBay Motors, quemas llantas y no tu dinero. Con las piezas que buscas, a los precios que quieres, tu auto se convertirá en el MVP que te dará el triunfo. eBay Motors. eBayMotors.com Solo para artículos elegibles se aplican restricciones. And then there were four. Four teams left in Liga MX on Saturday. Pachuca advances past San Luis. América does the same over Puebla on Sunday. Atlas and Chivas played to a draw, but Atlas advances 3-2 on aggregate. Tigres lose to Cruz Azul, uh, but advance thanks to the tiebreaker, their position in the table. Let's start with América Puebla, Hurricane. Some huge, and by huge I mean controversial decisions uh, in this game. I don't know where we want to start. It is the possible red on uh, Alejandro Sendejas. That was that was some controversy there. Possible uh, There was red. also, though, okay. however. <laughs> All right, don't, don't go in on me just yet. As we see, uh, Henry Martinez scoring the goal, one of the three goals for America in the uh, ultimate 3-2 victory. But there was also her massive, massive controversy. Pretty good goal here from Puebla to tie things up in first half stoppage time. Massive controversy on America's uh, second goal, Herc, which we know came via the penalty spot. Diego Valdez, the shot. Anthony Silva, the save, but wait a second. VAR says Silva was off the line. Oh, come on. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. This is getting ridiculous. Off the line, all right. All right, this then puts the pressure on Puebla because they now need two goals, not, they can't even tie. They need two goals to advance. So they're playing higher up the field, chasing the game, leave themselves open, and then there's a counterattack, transition goals, and Dejas, who shouldn't be on the field, scores that, and then, uh, well, penalty kick here, uh, puts it away, it's 3-2, made it a bit interesting, but all for now. Yep, uh, 97th minute goal there for Puebla. Okay, Herc, so everybody down south is saying, ah, the referees put America in the semifinals. You see it the same way? Well, I don't think they hurt him, I'll tell you that much. It'd be very unfair to me to say it's all the referees that put mm -hmm. Dan Ortiz's team there because mm -hmm. he's been lights out with them and they've been very good. But you have to acknowledge how idiotic it is that we're having this conversation. I don't think in Liga MX this season we've seen one penalty kick called back. One. And the one that gets called back is at Estadio Azteca versus America where the guy's not even 
a, cent a centimeter off of his line. Mm -hmm. And VAR comes into place to use this. VAR that's supposed to be clear and obvious. A clear and obvious air comes in to the rescue here. It doesn't come in when Sendeja should be sent off. It comes in here mm. in a momentum changing play. America misses this PK, this penalty kick. Silva saves it. Puebla goes on. And emotionally, America is now thinking, oh man, we're at home, we just missed a penalty kick. This team's got it tied, heading into the second half. Things can be different, but instead, they're with the man that should have been sent off, and they're a goal up, and Puebla has to play against the ropes and chase the game, leaving America to carve them open in transition on the counter, and it was all she wrote. I mean, I don't want to say it was because the referees, but they certainly, uh -huh. certainly did not make it difficult for America. Pure anti-America bias yeah. right there yeah. from, from our good friend and colleague, uh, Hercules Gomez. Mm -hmm. Look, we, we blindly Keep trust the VAR. We blindly trust the VAR when it comes to things like offside, right? We say, oh, this is an either-or. Wherever they decide to freeze-frame it, wherever they decide to draw the line, nobody has a problem. Now, now when a penalty that is, that is we trust, unless we're saying there's a conspiracy pro-America here, Herc, which I know you don't have a tinfoil hat on for that. Unless we're saying there's a conspiracy, we trust these officials in the VAR to make the call. They made it. What's your problem? Let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Do you like that penalty kick rule? Do you think goalkeepers are at an advantage when they face a penalty kick? Do you think the guy taking the penalty kick oftentimes is going to miss if the guy takes a step, if he's a centimeter off? Hey, if the rule is the goalie has to be on the line, then the what goalie the has to be on the line. What is the rule for VAR, for the usage of VAR? Just say that. Mm -hmm. If you're going to lean on clear and obvious, if you're going to lean on clear and not. obvious, IFAB is. If you're going to lean on clear and obvious as your defense, you're leaning on the weakest part of the rule. Clear and obvious is not objective. It's subjective. It's down to each human to say this is clear or this is obvious. That's that's the worst argument you can make here. Seb, uh, somebody could have seen that and said that it was clear it was clear to them. Talk to and me about obvious. Sendejas is a controversial play. Was it a red card for you? Yeah, it was probably a red card. That okay. was a red card. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, now, gonna... now, really quickly, in the history of Club America, has there been the narrative that they've been helped mm -hmm. by referees? Mm -hmm. Okay. Of course. Now, now course. I am there with any you. any big team that across the world, a fine, lot of big teams fine. get that. Yeah. I am with you with VAR. Subjective, fine. What I am trying to tell you is all year it's not been called. And then they're going to break out a, an image, an imagen, a photo where there's a millimeter of space and they want us to buy that it's the correct call? I'm not buying that. Come on. Uh, I, to the point of the question, did the officials place America in the semifinals? America had more shots in both games, more shots on goal in both games, triple the expected goals in the first game, double the expected goals in the, in the second game. Sam, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the first, the first game as well. Was that conditioned? Yes, yes, because you're going into the... It's all conditioned. They're all moments. And then the, the so America wasn't the better the team here? America was not the better team? Oh, and by the way, they didn't even have to win this series. All they had to do was draw because despite the fact they had a historically bad start, they were still better than Puebla in the regular season. Yeah, fourth. They did enough. Yeah. They did enough. Yeah. On goal differential, but, yeah. but they did no, enough. fourth. That's fine. Uh, let's continue on America because the reports were that should they get to the semifinals, Fernando Ortiz would stay on. The interim manager would stay on on a full-time basis. Herc, now that he's got to the semifinals... Are you cool with it? Is this the right decision for Las Aguilas? 
You didn't seem to be cool with it last week. Uh, I'm still huh? not really cool with it. Listen, I don't hate it because I think the, the group decides. There's always that saying, the group decides, and they've obviously decided to play for him, and, and they're playing well for him, right? But if you think about this, Seb, and I'm not trying to limit to what he's done right now, okay? The body of work. But if you think about what he's done in his body of work and what others before him at America have done, there's really nothing different. Even Solari. Mm. Solari, for, for a split instance, for a whole year actually, for a long time, looked very, very good with Club America. Second place in one season and he only and he lost uh, points at the table to Atlas because of an ineligible player. And they got second place, one of the best offense, one of the best defense. Next season, first place uh, Yes, we've seen this before. It's playoffs where you make your mark. And he's also not really done anything else besides, I guess, win this controversial game versus Puebla at home that Solari hasn't done. Because to my math, and check this stat out, Club America is now on a nine-game winless streak away in La Guia, La Guia leg one matches. Okay? Hand, talk about a hand-picked stat, okay. That's not a hand-picked stat. What does that have to do with, how does that not, have to do with Ortiz? If you let me finish, I will tell you. Those. If you let me finish, I will, he's not done anything that those other guys haven't done before him. And all you're doing here is saying, you know what? Tano Ortiz, not going to cost me so much money. And the little mm. I've seen from him, I think I could work with. But the next guy who comes in, that's got to be a big, game, a big name. That's going to be a massive name because it's Club America. And that guy's going to cost me a lot of money. Mm, I don't know. I'll stick with this one right now. Okay, so that is the only way that I will agree with you here, is if the signing, the decision to stay with Ortiz is really, truly, deeply, actually a lack of either ambition or capability of America to go out and get somebody with a name. Because whatever you want to say about Solari's track record pre-arriving at America, he had been the manager of Real Madrid. There's some ambition, at least Correct. it looks like, when you go out and get somebody like that. Ortiz does not have that resume here. So if you're telling me that this is, hey, America doesn't have the money to go out and get a big name manager, or they don't really want a big name manager because they don't want somebody in there maybe spilling the secrets and telling how little actually is going to be spent, then, I, then I'm, I'm with you. I would be disappointed. But I'll just quickly go back to what I said last week, which is I cannot, cannot ignore what Ortiz has done this season. I think it's, it's too overwhelming, the data, the evidence. It's too much of a turnaround, Herc, to not at least at least see where it goes from here. Maybe, maybe you don't give him a two-year deal, right? Maybe you don't, you don't wait a year, but at least give him the start of next season to see if this is not just a fluke. This is something special that's happened with America in the last few months under Ortiz. Does this impress you more than Solari, what he did in his first year just league-wise? Because Solari got out a lot of points, got a lot of goals, and didn't give up too many goals, and he was flying with America. America being dominant, being first in the table is nothing new. Being last in the table and having to <laughs> resuscitate a team from that is something that very much so, impressed me. Solari they, never they were, had to do that. Ortiz had the, to do it because Solari couldn't coach. They were last in the table and were two points away from the play from the play in. They were still last in the table. They were still last <laughs> in the guy. table. America last in the this table guy. often. Okay, this let's move guy. on to Chivas. Young Buck. America's been there before. That's right. Chivas bouncing the quarterfinals of the hands of rival Atlas. Over the weekend, Atas playing uh, the last 20 minutes on Sunday with 10 men. Uh, and Chivas still couldn't break through until what? Like the 89th minute when JJ Macias scored. After the match, Ricardo Cadena, the interim, said he wasn't sure about his future. Uh, Herc, should Chivas keep Cadena or what? This is a bit different. Uh, Ricardo Cadena comes in for a Chivas team that honestly 
wasn't too bad, just needed direction, and direction he gave him. Under Cadena, they became a team that's very disciplined, a, a team that's very vertical, very dynamic, played with a nine, which is a great start. And in the last seven games, they've only lost once, and that's the uh, first leg of Atlas. Uh, only tied once, five straight wins. He's definitely given them something. And if you're Chivas, and you're limited to only playing Mexican players because that is your mantra. That is, mm -hmm. that is what the team goes by. Um, only Mexican players. You're you're affected by a certain market. And if you don't have the funds, the resources to go out and get the best Mexican players, well, what do you need to do? You need to produce. You need to look within. You need to accelerate that process. What better than a guy who's literally been in the academy, who literally knows it inside and out, like Cadena. I would stay mm. with Cadena. Who could you wow. honestly bring? What what person out there could you honestly bring? You don't think Chivas is an attractive job? You don't think they could land a big name? Who, who are they going to bring, Seb? I don't know. They got Matias Almeida at one point. Give me an... Okay, they're going to bring in Matias Almeida right now? Marcelo Bielsa. They're going to bring in Marcelo Bielsa? Why not? I would love that. <laughs> I would love just to see the employee. It doesn't have to be Bielsa. It could be, it could be anybody. Somebody Sep. that's more ambitious than the interim. Seb, those names are going to command a lot of money. Chivas doesn't have a lot of money, and the money they do have, they should focus on players, on the resources there to make this a competitive team again. Okay. They've got an interesting project to me that's about two, three players away from being very competitive. But they need to come back to the basics, to the raíces. They need to come back to the Fuerzas Básicas, to the academy, and Cadena can make that happen. And plus, you've said it. It's kind of like Tan Ortiz. What you just saw, the brief moment you just saw, our history, your body of work you just saw is enough to at least give them next season. Did you not say that? Yes, I did. Uh, so America sticks with their interim manager. It's a lack of ambition. Chivas sticks with their interim manager. I didn't it's the say right it's a decision. lack of ambition. It's the right decision. You said it's a lack of ambition. It's the right Your decision. Words are not mine. Right. So is it an, is it not a lack of ambition for Chivas to stay with the interim manager? No, I think it's the right move. You got to put mm. context there. There's a big difference between resource, a big difference between what players it can actually attract. I mean, is Chivas going to attract a player that's not Mexican? So, I, I, no, obviously oh, okay. they're not. Okay. Obviously they're not. Oh, that's, a, that's a great point. I can never put myself in, in the shoes of a Chivas fan, being well, an Americanista. But, but we have our, our, our producer, Beto Peralta, is a Chivas fan. He's also an Arsenal fan, man. Poor guy. Tough, tough one. Uh, is, is going through some things. So we, we talked about this today. He said he didn't want to see it because what? Because... Este, Leano, you already did it with Leano, basically. So you've, you've already done it, right? You've already done a the names. You've already done Cardoso, the interim. Cardoso, Bucetich. You, okay, but you just did the interim. You just did the interim. And he wants a project. He wants somebody for, for a year at least. And he says if Cadena gets off to a bad start next year, he's right next season, he's right back on the hot seat. Here's one thing I would say. If, if, if the audition was against Atlas, if, if, if the, you don't think the regular season was enough, and like, like Ortiz, you were saying, hey, he's got to get to the semifinal, or he's got to show me something against Atlas, I, I don't think he did himself any favors, uh, because oh, Chivas against had the defending no champion. fight against Atlas. Against the defending no champion, fight. you don't think oh, he did himself any favors. Do you think they played on, well? Man. Do you think I, they played well? I think, Atlas is the, I think Atlas is the one team in this Liguilla that knows exactly who they are. They're probably the most difficult team to play against. Yeah, And I don't, I'm not liking the Chivas-Atlas Chivas didn't even matchup. make it interesting. Didn't even make it interesting. What does that tell you? Hold on, Seb. Hold on, Seb. You're, you're trying to compare Chivas to a team that should already be in the top four. Based off name, based off history, just by itself. That's not how football works. This is a team that's won how many, how many championships league I mix trophies in the last 20 years? Mm -hmm. Two? Okay. Two? You, are you talking yeah, about Atlas or are you talking about Chivas? No, Chivas. Atlas is the current champion. Mm -hmm. And they're still in it. Right. Right. So you thought Chivas did enough against Atlas and you thought they looked good? No, you I didn't say they impressive? did enough or looked good. Ah, okay. 
So you, so you thought they played well or what? They played terrible what do, against what do you the Atlas. Want to do? Just bash and you think Chivas he's good enough to keep Cadena? What do you want to do? Bash Chivas because you're Americanista? I'm just shocked. I'm just shocked that you want to keep Cadena based on so little. What so little. Say, so, so a little. less impressive turnaround than America, and you don't want to keep Ortiz. A less impressive turnaround, and he couldn't get a the team to the semifinals. Ortiz just did it. They beat Cruz Azul. They beat uh, Necaxa. Yes. Who else did they beat? All of the criteria that you applied to Ortiz, you will not apply to Cadena. That's how it is. That's how it is. And maybe that's what we see the difference It's called between context, Seb. It's called context. That's you can't what compare we see the, the two teams. Yes, okay. Thank you for that. Thank you. You cannot compare America and Not Chivas. The, the first thing no. that Hercules Gomez has said One place with only Mexicans. on this show. Ah, Hercule loved this segment. Tigres, well, he won't love this. They lost 1-0 uh, to Cruz Azul at El Volcan, nonetheless. But they did advance, thanks to their position in the table. Tigres playing the second half with 10 men after Javier Aquino uh, made this mistake to, to help Cruz Azul and then eventually got a red card. A lot of criticism here for Juan Reynoso, the Cruz Azul manager, uh, Herc, if this is the end, is it a deserved end for the man who brought Cruz Azul their first title in almost a quarter century? Uh, you started that off the wrong way. It's got to be Tigres advance, a 10-man Tigres team in two 90-minute games oh advance to the next round. Uh, listen, Juan Reynoso did himself no favors, and I've defended Juan Reynoso for quite some time. A lot, but 180 minutes versus Tigres. Almost half that time with a man advantage and nothing. And Jurado, Jurado, the Cruz Azul goalkeeper, was one of the players of both legs. It should tell you something. Versus a 10-man Tigres team, it's Jurado who came up big for them. Yes, they couldn't finish. Uh, they couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. There are no... Uh, what's the word? Condolences. There are no, there are no pity parties for, for Cruz Azul. This is a manager who lost Charlie Rodriguez... What is it? Eight games ago, and never found the solution tactically. Tactically, it's Juan Reynoso who loses this game, who loses this series. Charlie Rodriguez goes down eight games ago, and you can never find a solution. Santi Jimenez never plays as a nine, and by the time you want him to play, he's not in rhythm. Cabecita Rodriguez left a while ago. Your leading goal scorer was a defender. Hey, is it on is it on Reynoso to replace replace Cabecita or is it on? Well, you had a replacement, Santi Jimenez. You just choose no, not to play. Santi Jimenez so was terrible. Play, was terrible last night. Santi Jimenez is not on Cabecita level. Nowhere close. Clean your ears. So by the time you need him, he's not sharp. It's on Juan Reynoso. No matter how you slice it, these players, good enough talent to get through. Good enough talent to not have that downward spiral that they've had. This is on Juan Reynoso. And I've defended Juan Reynoso a lot. Last season, this season, but this is Juan Reynoso. We could talk about the injuries. We could talk about the, the no nine. We could talk about whatever you want. But the 180 minutes versus Tigres, you're, you're a man up for almost half of it. I mean, they didn't even get going until Tigres was a man down. It, yeah. it was quite embarrassing for one of the big teams in Mexico. Yeah, it's a fair end in this, in this way because they should have looked like they had a man advantage. And they looked like they were playing with 10. And it's the same complaint that Cruz Azul fans have had all season long. Sure, Cabecita's gone. There's a lot of attacking talent. There's a lot of money that has been put into the front of that team. And Juan Reynoso never seemed to unhinge it, Herc. He never seemed to really let it go. Almost like he was too pragmatic given the talent that he has. So if the complaints were the same all season long and then that's how you go out, I mean... You know, have you really even given yourself a chance? And we've not even mentioned the off-the-field problems. That's a problem in itself, but yeah. Always at Cruz Azul. All right, let's take a look then at the semifinal schedule action starting up 
in the midweek. Uh, so how does this thing start off? I would say Atlas Tigres are Wednesday and Saturday. First leg in Guadalajara. America Pachuca is Thursday, Sunday. The first leg will take place in Mexico City. Herc, we got some big business news uh, around Liga Mekis. I know you saw this, I think it was earlier on Monday. Apollo Global Management, with his, which is an American private equity firm, is seeking 20, ooh, it sounds like Shark Tank, is seeking 20% of Liga Mekis' non-Mexican media rights over the next 50 years. And they're willing to pay $1.25 billion to get it done, this reported by Sportico. Herc, is this something, nothing, or everything? Well, this is everything for a lot of different reasons. Um, most, mostly because it shows you how massive Liga MX is or the potential growth for Liga MX. And it, you could say worldwide there, but a big number, a big portion of that will be here in the States where the most watched uh, football league, soccer league, isn't the Premier League. It isn't La Liga. Uh, it isn't the Bundesliga. It's not even the Champions League. It happens to be Liga MX. The most followed soccer team is the Mexican national team. So there's a huge market here, and this is trying to tap into said market. Now, it's massive for that front because it shows mm-hmm. you the growth and the potential. But do I think this will happen, Seb? I mean, when people realize what the television rights are like in Mexico, and how it's everybody for themselves, and how there are certain teams in the American market that haven't even had their own TV deals, they'll realize why this will probably never get going. Asking mm. the Mexican ownership groups, asking FMF, asking them to come into this, if you will, in a CBA for the collective good, I think it's asking too much of them from, from what we've seen in their history. Uh, if this gets done, Herc, it is indeed everything. Think about the on-field ramifications. You know how right now, especially we just saw the Sounders winning CONCACAF Champions League, it feels like MLS is catching up to Liga MX. And the assumption is that generally MLS owners have more money than Liga MX. You flood Liga MX with $1.25 billion, and they're going to start to be able to bring in some, some big-time players. The other area this could be huge is we know MLS has great TV deals all over the world. This would help Liga Mekis get into that. And where do I think that would play, pay off? The exportation of players. We always compare MLS to Liga Mekis, how Liga Mekis struggles to export players. We've had coaches over in Europe say nobody watches Liga Mekis over here. But everybody's watching Major League Soccer. So this, to me, would be huge on those fronts. Let me ask you this. You can go short, you can go long. From, from like your gut... Short. Producer Beto says short. Do you think this would be a good thing or a bad thing for Liga Mekis? I think it would be a great thing for Liga Mekis, and it's exactly why they won't do it. (laughs) Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. The good, the bad and the ugly from the weekend that was the good. Ah, yes, to the nation's capital, Taxi Fountas. That's right, DC United's Greek-designated player taking MLS by storm. Five goals and one assist in his first 
five games. Turkey scored again this weekend in a 2-2 draw with Inter Miami. You love to see DP players coming in and making an impact. Uh, you're telling me Hernan Lozada was hurting DC a lot more than he was helping him, right? <laughs> I don't know that I'm saying that, but uh, Chad oh, you, you seems, like okay, seems uh, to be benefiting from having a designated player. Well, I'm sure Lozada so, would have loved that pack so, too. Sort of. I mean, what? They, they're undefeated in the last two games. Uh, one win, one tie. And a gutsy comeback against Inter Miami. Come on, oh, give us okay. some credit. Bad. Chicago Fire, they lost 2-1 to one to FC Cincinnati on Saturday. Their fourth straight defeat. They are winless now in their last eight, Herc. Wow, who's trying to sell that stock right now? Who's trying to sell that Chicago stock, that Gaga know, stock? Right? Listen, the Chicago Fire seven-game winless streak in the la in last place in the East. That's eight games if you include the Open Cup uh, where they lost to our team, Omaha. Yes. Uh, what is that, like 14-plus goals in that span? Five goals scored, only three in MLS if we remove that Open Cup game. Wow. What's crazy, bro, is they were unbeaten in their first four. Yeah, don't bro me, though. Things can change very quickly in Major League Soccer. They can also probably uh, change to the good for Chicago, who lost 2-1 over the weekend to FC Cincinnati. That's the bad, gimme the ugly. Oh, this is even worse. Sporting Kansas City, they lost 7-2 against Portland. What? Yeah, they gave up a touchdown and an extra point to Portland. That is crazy to me. Uh, listen, we thought that they uh, were turning the corner with that Open Cup comeback, right? Came back against Dallas in Open Cup. We asked Peter Vermees, could this be the turning point? He said, absolutely. Winless in seven, only six goals in that span. A league worst, minus 13 goal differential. Oh, things are not looking good in Kansas. But they still have the Open Cup, Hark. They still have the Open Cup, as do we here on ESPN+. Plus. Sporting KC right now, 13th out of 14 in the Western Conference. Only Vancouver beneath them in the standings. They've won just two of their last 12. More MLS coming your way midweek. LASC in Austin, ooh, that should be a good one. Wednesday, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time on ESPN+. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What a weekend, bro. Stuttgart survived. Pellegrino Matarazzo and company staying up in the Bundesliga after their 2-1 win over Cologne. The game winner coming in the 92nd minute from Wataru Endo. Herc, scenes! Wow, massive scenes. We talked about it last week. Hertha playing against Dortmund. That could be a pivotal game. Two weeks ago, they played against Hertha and lost. Oh, man. But to win it, or to save, get saved, I should say, in the 92nd minute, oh, I mean, Pellegrino Matarazzo, of all the ways you could possibly stay up. Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, this coupled with Hertha Berlin's 2-1 loss to Dortmund meant that Stuttgart stays up. It means Hertha Look Berlin goes into the relegation playoff. We love Stuttgart, the club of Pavel Pardo. Look at that, Ricardo man. Osorio. Aaron Galindo. Aaron Galindo, throw him in there too. And there you see Pellegrino Matarazzo celebrating. Man, to be in the middle of that, somewhere, someone saying, if only we had that in the States. Herc, in case you missed it, this is the Matarazzo family back in New Jersey in Fairlawn. Yes! 
Dog man from Jersey. I mean, nothing better than having your family support you. Look at that. I mean, it's got to feel so good. You pretty much think it's over, it's lost. You feel sad, you feel despair. I mean, look at that, Jubilee. Brilliant scenes, we hope for, uh, for HD video uh, next time. German <laughs> Cup Final, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN News. Also available on ESPN Deportes, streaming live on the ESPN app as well. Freiburg against Leipzig for the German Cup on Saturday. All right, shout out to Tyler Adams to pick up a trophy. Speaking of Leipzig, to the Premier League, Jesse Marsh and Leeds chasing salvation. They had to wait till stoppage time on Sunday when Pascal Struik struck in the 92nd minute to earn Leeds a 1-1 draw against Brighton. Herc, an absolutely huge point for Jesse Marsh and company. So you know that on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday mornings, it's very difficult for me to watch football on the TV. I've got to watch on my phone because i got little ones and they control the living room uh, at that hour. I only wish I had the audio on, had the volume on for this moment. I, I saw this and I was like, what just happened? What did I just see? I, 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 there was no way I thought Leeds were coming back to tie this. It, it, massive scenes, incredible comeback, incredible way to stay alive. Yeah, and you cannot, Herc, you cannot overstate the importance of this point because of what else happened on the weekend. Everton, they lost 3-2 against Brentford, and Burnley lost 1-0 against Spurs. So right now, right now, with one game to go, Leeds is safe, but Burnley, who are behind them, do have a game in hand. Leeds, they finished away against Brentford on Sunday. Let's listen in to Jesse Marsh, post-game from the weekend. Yeah, I mean, the, the crowd's frustration showed a little bit at times, didn't it, today? But you got them back on side by the end with the, with the equalizing goal. It's... They're so desperate for the team. Yeah, to, everybody's to everybody some. in the entire community here uh, wants us to find a way to do this. Um, you know, I was in, uh, I went to dinner two nights ago, and walking down the street, I heard 15, 20 people saying, Come on, we're behind you, we're with you, keep going, gotta believe. So, um, and and we need that. We all do. I, I hope every time they see our players that they push them in in the in the city in the in the streets that they push them and tell them how much they love them. And and we we know that. And we're trying to do everything we can to to fight for these points. All right, you want late relegation drama? Spain's got it. Mexican manager Javier Aguirre and Mallorca. They delivered on Sunday. Abdon Prats with a 92nd minute game winner in a 2-1 victory for Mallorca over Rayo Vallecano. Man, what is going on? It's like all these things happen after the 90th minute, the 92nd minute to be exact. Uh, and multiple leagues, multiple managers that we know staying alive. Javier Aguirre, who would have thought from fracaso at Monterrey to glory in La Liga, one more game and it's at a venue that he knows all too well. Mmm, interesting stuff. The win lifting Mallorca out of the relegation zone, at least uh, on goal differential with one game left to play. In the, as we look at the, the percentage chances there for Mallorca, okay, 44% that you'd go down. That means 56% you stay up, right? Uh, so you'll take that. Let's listen to some classic Vasco in the post-match press conference. Bueno, eh, quizá es una... Tontería, pero me quedo con la comunión de la afición con el equipo. Sabíamos que iba a ser sufrido, sabíamos que iba a ser 
emotivo, efectivamente la gente esa sí nunca dejó de apoyar, esa nunca se decepcionó, nunca nos chilló, nunca estuvo en un, a, a diferencia de nosotros que fuimos así, como dientes de sierra, ellos estuvieron bien todo el partido. Y una apreciación súper pequeña, no sé si fue porque usted veía algo que no le gustaba que se fue literalmente corriendo hacia vestuarios, creo, creo que es la primera vez que lo veo usted correr tanto hacia, hacia un túnel de vestuarios. Digo la verdad o miento, la verdad. me anda meando. Gracias. Faltaba una amistad, porque ha hecho dolor. Cuando tienes que ir, tienes que ir, Herc. What a beauty of a man. Mallorca wrapping up against Osasuna on Sunday on ESPN Plus for all the marbles, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Do not miss it. Right, let's get to the National Women's Soccer League. Her huge game over the weekend right here in the nation's capital. Your team, Angel City FC, coming east to take on the defending NWSL champions. <laughs> How about this from Kristen Press, Herc? Oh, this is such a beautiful goal. There's a subtle way of how she guides the defender and utilizes the defender as a screen with the goalkeeper well struck. The Spirit, they're not the defending champs for nothing. Haven't lost in DC, like a real game, not, not a forfeit, since Same. 2018. Of course, they lost the NWSL Challenge Cup Final. And here at home, they taste defeat again. Back-to-back -back losses then for the Washington Spirit, as they call uh, one nothing. But Herc, the story in this one, Kristen Press, who we talk about it all the time with Alex Morgan, sending messages to Vladko Andonovsky. I think Kristen Press did the same in this game. Yeah, listen, 33 years of age, you can say what you want about the youth coming through and maybe that, uh, that transitional change, uh, if you will, with Vlaco and the U.S. Women's National Team. But she's throwing her name in the hat. She's obviously a very important player. And when you can score goals like that on the run, just show how impressive you are, the skill, the vision, the speed, that you still have it physically, and then the delicate touch to finish it off, I think uh, that's saying a lot. So, yeah, this will be very interesting to see if she can keep things interesting. All right, Herc. I had some homework for yeah. this segment, okay? I was told to find where is Kristen Press in the U.S. Women's National Team winger depth chart. Now, before we get to the depth chart, let's just acknowledge this. The U.S. Women's National Team is deep at, like, almost every position. But at winger specifically, her, they're deeper than probably anywhere else, right? There's a ton of not just names, but big names that are competing for what we're realistically saying are two spots. Oh, should Andonofsky be a very easy job for you. Likes to play in a 4-3-3. All right, so uh, we, I mean, there's probably like eight or nine players realistically on this depth chart, but I've been asked to come up with my top five. Uh, I'll go five, four, three, two, one. I got Midge Purse at five. Now, she's probably up higher if I'm making roster decisions because of versatility. Sophia Smith in at number four because I think straight line speed. She's probably the fastest of the bunch. Vlatko Andonofsky loves that. Trinity Rodman, now is probably the, the least amount of sample size at the national team level of all this group, but, but, I see her a lot with the Washington Spirit, so I got her in there at number three. Okay. Mallory Pugh right now to me is a wrecking ball. Any field she's on, there will be goals and assists. She may not get the goals hurt, she may not get the assists, but she makes opportunities for others. Kristen Press, number one. I know what folks are gonna say, but she hasn't been called up. Right. You saw, you just talked about the quality of that goal. Very good That's goal. That's where I'm at with Kristen Press. On talent, she's still the most talented, and I think she is the 
best player, her. The okay. best player in this pool if she's the player she was pre-sabbatical. Pre-sabbatical. And what we've seen so far, I have no reason to doubt she's not going to get back to that level. If she is that player, she's number one. Okay, you're leaving out some very big names there. Oof, big names. Yeah, Megan Rapino. I didn't hear mm -hmm. you say Megan Rapino. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't you, say Tobin Heath. You didn't say Tobin Heath. So, mm -hmm. so you didn't say, but you did say players like Purse, 26 years old. Smith, mm -hmm. 21 years old. Trinity mm -hmm. Robbins, 19. She's still a teenager. Mm -hmm. Pew's 24. Uh, I noticed all these players have one thing in common. None of them played in the Olympics, Seb. Are you ready to move on from these veterans? That's what I'm saying. I, I, could see, I could see you move on from probably two of the three. If we're, if we're putting Press, Rapino, Heath in the same kind of category, those veteran wingers, I, I don't think all three will be on this team in the next World Cup. Honestly, even for World Cup qualifying, I don't know that all three will be there. And we know for a fact all three won't be starting. It is time to bring in that younger generation but one of those vets will surely be there. And if you ask me who I got a bet on of those three, Press is definitely ahead of Rapino, who's just now getting healthy, and she's definitely ahead of Heath. Fair enough? Fair enough. You... <laughs> I mean, it's very easy for me to throw these names out there, but you talk about the sabbatical. If she can perform at this level post-sabbatical, mm -hmm. I've mm -hmm. got nothing to say there. Which, which we should acknowledge. We haven't seen her back at the international level post-sabbatical. So to your point, there's still an if there at the international level. Looks like she's back to that level at club, but still an if out there. On Kristen Press. What about some other NWSL action from the weekend? San Diego Wave with Alex Morgan, the aforementioned, taking on the Chicago Red Stars. Alex Morgan scored again and again hurt from the penalty spot. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. It, it, it feels like we just we should just have a a goal, a ball <laughs> hitting the back of the net every time, every week, and just yeah. say Alex Morgan. What know? is more likely to be seen on this show? A Haji Wright goal and run it back or an Alex Morgan goal and an NWSL highlight? That's the real question. It is. I mean, who do you think is going to stop first? <laughs> uh, Kaylee Real with another goal for San Diego as they took a 2-0 lead in this one. Chicago eventually getting one back late, but the match finishes 2-1. San Diego and Angel City, by the way, Herc rolling right now atop the National Women's Soccer League. Good start for the expansion side. Parting shot here, shout out to the U.S. Women's National Team Deaf Soccer Team. We know the U.S. women have four stars above their crest, so does the Deaf National Team. They picked up their fourth gold medal over the weekend with a win over Poland, Herc. Some nice finishes too. Oh, oh, no! Wow. Where was this in the top 10? Where was that? Oh, production has some explaining to do. Congratulations to our women. Wow, beautiful. So Carly Lloyd-esque, a, a goal from that range in the final. Uh, amazing stuff. Congratulations there. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. As you can see down there at the bottom of your screen, we will be back on Thursday. And if you want to listen to everything we just said, download the podcast. He's Herc. I'm Seb. We'll see you Thursday. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app. 
to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. 